you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We have reached the championship week of tape heads. Bob Wischusen with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky. Scott, of course, longtime NFL general manager. Dan Orlovsky, you see him at the touchscreen all the time on ESPN, all of our NFL shows. He and I do college football together as well on the worldwide leader. And guys, for everything that we said, that quote-unquote super wild card weekend wasn't the NFL made up for it this past week. Let's take these games in order. It began Sunday afternoon, and it began with a game winner for the Cincinnati Bengals. The target, 52 yards away. Crossbar, 10 yards off the ground. McPherson ready from 52 yards away. Clark Harris will snap it back to Kevin Huber for the win. The snap, the put down, the swing of the right leg. Yeah, it's on its way. Yeah, it is yeah. good. Yeah. Coffin nails. Well. You draft a kicker, it certainly paid off. That rookie kicker, it seems, has every bit the cockiness that the quarterback has. They found a way to get the job done, and now we've got Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who hadn't won a playoff game in three decades, advancing to a championship game. So, guys, let's start right there. And what were the biggest takeaways, Scott, that you had, if we begin with you, from Joe Burrow's performance? But also how that defense, I think, played against Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans because they they did a really good job controlling the line of scrimmage. So here's what I took away from this, um, and, and and I'm disappointed this game and has not gotten enough attention. You know, big picture. Now I understand because the other games were so exciting, they were incredible. Right. But to me, I, I got to talk about Joe Burrow, and this isn't X's and O's. This is about physical, mental strength, and you know, what he did, again, his mental and emotional ability to come back from things is, is amazing. Here's a guy, he was sacked nine times against Tennessee, but f now take it and look to his background. Comes out of college, last year he's a rookie, and he is sacked in only nine games last year, his rookie year, he played 32 sacks and hit 42 times. That's outrageous. And I remember thinking 
and saying on air on, on a different platform, this guy may not make it through the season. And I was truly worried for him. Unfortunately, what happens in game 10, he tears his ACL, his MCL, some other damage done in there. And when a, when a player comes back from an injury, you don't know how they're going to handle it mentally and emotionally. And you don't know what's going to happen when they start getting hit, particularly at the quarterback position. So we come into this season and Joe Burrow gets sacked a league high 51 times. It's it's not even close. And he goes into this game and he never flinches all season. Never flinches. He just gets better and better and better. He's not seeing ghosts or as my old college used to say, he didn't hear any footprints. He, <laughs> What he did was amazing. And then he goes into this game, he's sacked nine times and he, he looks like, you know, when you watch him and his body language, he actually looks like he gets stronger, even though he's sore, even though he's beat up. The look in his eyes and the look on his face, he's getting emotionally stronger as he's getting hit. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I look at him and his mentality and how he handled it. You know, he was like a crash test dummy this weekend and he just kept going. So to me, that was one of the things that stood out. The other thing that stood out was how they started the game. And use Joe Mixon. I think we talked about this last week that they're going to have to see what the Titans are are planning to do. Use Joe Mixon. Go short. Go sideways. Put the ball in his hands. And that's what they did. And then they figured it out. Now, they still didn't solve the problem of of protection. But again, I I cannot get over um, the emotional resiliency of Joe Burrow. I really can't. Yeah, Dan, you've been talking about Joe Burrow all season long. And there's a scene in the movie Cinderella Man. I was struck by this watching this game where, if you remember, Russell Crowe is playing Jim Braddock, the old boxer, and nobody believes in him. And he is in this, like, come-up fight to try and win the title. Mm -hmm. And the guy he's fighting gives him the biggest haymaker in the world. I mean, knocks him to the point that you think his brain's going to pop out of his ears. And Good visual. And <laughs> what is, what is I, I don't know how accurate this is, but it was well done in the movie. Russell Crowe is Jim Braddock. His mouthpiece goes tumbling across the ring, and all he does is walk over, pick up the mouthpiece, smile at the guy, pop it back in, spit some blood out, and then you <laughs> could see you could see yeah. the look on the guy's face that he's fighting going, oh, my God, like, I can't knock this guy out. And I'm wondering from Tennessee's standpoint, do you have that feeling when you're playing Joe Burrow? How many times are we going to hit this guy and somehow not have it impact the way that he plays? Because he just... He just keeps on finding a way to come back and make mm-hmm. plays no matter how many sure. times he's getting earholed. Totally, Bob. Um, I think that kind of speaks to a little bit of what Scott was referencing, and and it's one of those things that, and Scott can speak to this a little bit more. I think franchises just try and chase down when it comes to the quarterback, and it's something that is so difficult to try to measure or mm-hmm. quantify. Right? Is yeah. Is what is this guy like in these moments that you can never simulate until they're actually in them. I don't care what test you give them. You just never really know. And I think the most impressive part for me was he did, Joe Burrow, the impossible. I mean, for, the, for my whole life, I'm 30, I'm 38. Yeah, I'm 38. <laughs> Sorry. Quick math. Um, That's right. That's good. <clears throat> my whole life, I've always heard and experienced, if you hit the quarterback, I don't care who they are. They all become the same. We've heard that about Tom Brady, who's the greatest quarterback of all time. You hit him, he becomes just like everybody else. And there's truth to that. We've seen it. Every quarterback is like that. And 
I watched this game, and the thing that was most impressive was Joe never let all that pressure, all those hits, and all those sacks ever negatively impact him. Just go watch. There's never a moment where I'm like, man, he played hurried there. It was incredible. Or his feet were frantic, or he had happy feet, right? There was never that moment. He still played with tremendous rhythm and pace and you know, I always say these these great quarterbacks, they they play slow on purpose physically. They're playing crazy fast mentally, but they play slow on purpose, very methodical. And that was the thing that stood out the most for me about the offense's performance. I thought Joe situationally was so good. They've got issues up front. We, yeah, we have do. talked about that all year, both – I think there's schematic at times. I think there's communication at time. I think there's personnel at time. I also think this. I think Joe on purpose takes some sacks. Instead of, uh, you know, throwing the ball up for grabs or being careless with the football. Absolutely, I think Dan. he's got this great ability to know plays dead. Brilliant like, Plays point. dead. You know, I... I and I could try to hold on to this for a, a, a second and, and see if I can spin out. Nope, plays dead. And I think that the the fact that, you know, I don't want to say he never hurts his team because obviously sacks hurt your football team, but he never back breaks his team. That was the big, another big takeaway from me, Bob, was just, you know, he's, uh, there's probably three sacks in there that I'm just going to take this one. D- defense like, tip my hat. Shouldn't he turn it over a lot more? Shouldn't a quarterback turn the ball over a lot more being under that kind thing. of duress? I, but it's I think that's Dan's point, which is brilliant. Yeah. He would rather take the sack. That Sure, you're right. That doesn't help your team, but interceptions kill your team. So it, it's the lesser it's of two evils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a good way to say it. I just... I think he's got that, you know, that goes back to, we saw it a little bit in the Raiders game as well. He took a sack in the red zone instead of yeah. someone had him by his ankle. And I've seen, shoot, countless quarterbacks, you know, try to fling a ball somewhere and it goes up in the air and interception. So I, that was impressive. And then I do think we got to talk about their defense a little bit. Yeah, know, but I, I want to I mention this, you know, yeah. the, the other thing is the way their protection is, it keeps him in the pocket and in a space where he can't throw, uh, throw it away. People say, well, just throw it out of bounds, throw it near the line of scrimmage. That's a good point. He's put in a position where he can't be outside the pocket to do that throw away. So he yeah. takes a sack. I'm sorry, yeah, but I, I just point. wanted to mention that. No, that's a really good point. Um, you know, and then just talking about their defense, I thought two things stood out for me, guys. Uh, number one, the way that they set their front a couple times defensively to stop or minimize Tennessee's run. And I did two things kind of that I was very impressed with. Multiple times they got into what's known as a bear or Navajo front. And what that means is that the center has got somebody on his head and both the guards have somebody on the, the, on their three shoulders or on their head, right? Yeah. And so those three interior guys are beat up. Now, coming from Tennessee runs a zone scheme. Coming from that zone scheme, it's, I grew up with it in the NFL. You guys know it. That is a very difficult front to consistently block because it minimizes my double teams. My double teams are essentially gone, and that's the, the really the, the – the foundational piece or one of the foundational pieces of the run game. Now you got to be really stout on the edges when you do that, because you can get creased if you don't do it well, but that was very impressive. And then I actually think the game swings on the Mike Hilton interception and he comes off the slot, tips it up to himself. And my, one of my favorite parts of football is when things are tied together. If you go back, 
Hilton actually has that same exact play. I'm going to find it here in my notes. So Hilton actually has that play um, second quarter, like middle second quarter, same formation. Back is to his side. Ball's on the left hash. He's got the tight end motion to an offset away from him. He's got a just a slot outside of him, and he comes off the slot, and Tannehill um, flash fakes it to the back and throws it out to the slot for a little bubble, and Hilton just goes in. It's out of his reach. And then the third quarter happens, <clears throat> I think right around like 648 or something like that, and um, – the same formation, and this time he knows the play. He don't even go after the run. He just completely is playing. Here comes the throw. And I just thought that was such a great play by Hilton. Kind of, we talk pre-snap, post-snap stuff with quarterbacks so much. I was really impressed. I thought that was such a game-changing play. Uh, you know, uh, real quick, you dropped the bear front, Navajo front out there. And for the listeners that don't know, just a quick history lesson um, Dan, uh, Dan and Bob, I'm sure you guys know this. That came from back in the days when Buddy Ryan was a defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears. And that was the front that he used predominantly with those uh, unbelievable front that he had. And he used it more often in the blitz packages off of that where the three inside guys were covered in some way. And it was something that was different and new and mm-hmm. gave people mm-hmm. all kinds of problems. Yeah, they were good. That Bears team was good. Okay, yeah, they're all right. Once in a while, they would yeah. Once in a while, they would get to the quarterback. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, look, Ryan Tannehill. Everyone has always talked about him when he's handed the ball off to a fully healthy Derrick Henry. To me, as a very overrated player, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is in the the discussion of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, unless he's got that guy in that run game there to support him. I think we saw that as this season wore on. I think we saw that in Saturday's game. But the guy that's supposed to be able to carry his team to a win lost at home again on Saturday afternoon, and that, of course, is Aaron Rodgers. And now this throws basically a mushroom cloud into the world of the Green Bay Packers moving forward. But Aaron Rodgers certainly didn't shy away from taking blame after the game was over. Yeah, you know, we just just would like to play even, you know, make some plays, kind of have a wash in the special teams is, you know, that'd be, that'd be good, but, you know, crucial, critical situations. Um, we had, you know, obviously some, some issues, but offensively, you know, these for 10 points, you're not going to win a lot of those games. Well guys, special teams obviously was like the story of the game and the story of the season for the Packers that no one seemed to talk about guys that crawl inside the game. Like the two of you do, I know you knew that the Packers special teams could be a big issue, but this was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers, green Bay Lambeau field, home field advantage, one seed. The other team's got Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's go be the one seed and let's have the best quarterback of all time, possibly. And he's going to go and finally add a second title. And it didn't happen. And, How much of this do you lay at the feet of Aaron Rodgers and that offense? And how much of this is, look, it was tough, you know, tough conditions against a physical team and our special teams cost us the game. Yeah. I mean, listen, blame game wise, special teams obviously takes a huge chunk of what happened. The block. I wish the the folks could see your smile right now. I I, I really wish they could. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love the, you know, the blame game. It's such a, you know, (laughs) I always think to myself, don't find somebody to blame. Find someone that's willing to take accountability. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, those Packers special teams, obviously with the blocked punt and, and the blocked field goal, it's huge. I mean, it's 10 points. So, 
at, at the end of the at the if we're looking at end result, Packers special teams unit has to wear that. There is no question about it. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers played an uncharacteristically poor football game. Yes, and. In regards to this, I thought the thing that separated, and I talked about this many times this season, separated Aaron this year from most quarterbacks and really was the catalyst from his MVP campaign was that the the easy throws, that the some of the checkdowns or some of the kicks out to the perimeter, he gave those throws, both decision-making and execution, such reverence and respect. That it, it was it was just as important as the the forty yard throw that's got to get fit in between three people every oh every single play, and I marveled at it I really did, and in this game there are I'm gonna count them for everybody I'm looking at notes here there are one two three four five six seven plays where he doesn't do that seven, and that was my biggest shock of that game was. The guy that I saw this year, it didn't matter who it was. The defense tells me who to throw the football to. And I'm just going to respect that. He, didn't, he wasn't that guy. And that's so uncharacteristic of him. And I think the, it culminates on, you know, late in the football game, they have a basic football 101, college 101 route, con, the big post, and then the deep end. And Devontae's on the big post, and Alan Lazard's on the deep end, and you know, San Francisco comes after him a little bit with some zone pressure, and he launches the deep post to Devontae Adams. He's not under pressure. The p- protection is solid, and he launches it into double coverage into Devontae. And Alan Lazard is wide open. And if he catches, if he throws that ball, I honestly, I know we say this a lot, and I think he scores from 70 out. There's nobody. The corner's the only guy that might be left or falling off that double team defenders. But that was my, my really like shocking thing watching that game was how he just looked like a different player in that game in comparison to what he was basically from week two on. He did not, he seemed out of sorts from the beginning, exactly what you're saying. Dan. And, and some of the other throws that I didn't see enough of was, you know, we've talked all season um, about the use of AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones out of the backfield when they're in space, getting the ball to them and how critical that has been. And there was less of that. And not because it wasn't there, there was just less of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, so to, to talk quickly about the special teams thing, I've got to say this, one of my absolute favorite things of the year that I can't wait for come playoff time is Rick Goslin's annual special teams rankings. And if any of you um, don't, Check that out every year. I've been doing it since my first year in the NFL in, in 19, what was it, 92. Um, I heard about Rick Goslin through, uh, quite honestly, through Bill Belichick. And Bill says he's not an analytics guy, and he may not be um, uh, an analytics guy to a certain degree, but he pays attention to certain things. And, and Rick Goslin's special teams ranking is an amazing thing. The team that was ranked 32 in his overall rankings before this game even happened, it came out the week before, the Green Bay Packers were ranked 32nd. And and again, it's not just because of blocked kicks, it's because of their overall special teams. And I'm not trying to put it on the special teams. I'm just saying something is wrong there. And um, it was clear and obvious. You're right. If Aaron Rodgers had played his normal Aaron Rodgers game, 
they wouldn't have had to depend on those plays. But kudos, you know, we always want to talk about what's bad, but kudos to the Niners. They played a heck of a game. So again, talking about the positive, the Niners played a heck of a game and they did the right things on, you know, offense, defense, and special teams and did enough to beat a terrific football team. And we're going to talk a lot more about the Niners in Thursday's show because we will be previewing the championship games. And there they are in the NFC championship game taking on the Rams. And that is where we will get when we come back on tape ads because straight ahead, if this was the greatest weekend of football ever, it turns out Saturday was the appetizer. The main course was Sunday and Bill's Chiefs might have been the best game we've ever seen. We will talk about that when we come back on tape ads. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this there's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the u.s that's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of new york los angeles and chicago combined even worse identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims that's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. We are back on tapets, coming off of what was as entertaining, as compelling a weekend of playoff football as we've ever had. Bob Shoes and Scott Pioli, Dan Orlovsky. All right, guys, we're going to save what really was the dessert for this whole weekend for all of us, and that's Bill's Chiefs, to the second half of this segment. But let's start things off with now Tom Brady's future, obviously, in question, because he gets knocked out earlier than we expected. 
by Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams. Here was Matthew Stafford's reaction after pulling off what many considered maybe to be at least a mild upset. Um, you know, I think we're a, we're a resilient group. We're a confident group. Um, we knew some plays needed to be made. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, I kind of I love those situations. I, I hate the way we got to it tonight, you know. There's some plays we all wish we had back that could have, uh, you know, ended that game with probably me taking a knee, you know, and, and we need to get to that point. But at the same time, uh, you know, finding a way to win a football game is what it's all about. And uh, we got a group of guys in that locker room that all believe in each other, um, you know, and, and I believe in those guys. So it was it was a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, heart was racing, uh, but at the same time was just going out there to execute and have fun, enjoying the moment. And um, glad we got it done. Well, Matthew Stafford, he beat the zero blitz, and that might have been the defining moment of this game. It was amazing to me, though, how many moments in this game the Rams tried to give it away and that Tom Brady, again, was almost the beneficiary of things out of his control. It was almost like the game just about fell in his lap. There were about five or six different moments in that game, I thought, where if the Rams did one thing and the exact opposite happened, the game was over, over. And yet they kept on shooting themselves in the foot. But as Matthew Stafford said, they are a resilient group. They had to be a resilient group to survive all of those miscues. In the end, they did. And he gets a chance now to, I think, be mentioned, Dan, where he should be. And that is among the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, if not right at the top of the list. Yeah, you know, so I had kind of said when this trade went down, man, no, no guy has more pressure on him in the NFL than Matthew Stafford. But I also know Matthew, and I knew he was literally born for it. He was made for it, and he was going to just absolutely chase after it. And then going into the playoffs, I said, this is really a legacy-changing three weeks for him. And I think Matthew's numbers, t- statistics, warrant him conversation for being a Hall of Famer. But it's going to be very difficult for him to be a Hall of Famer without having some win cliche or clout, not cliche, cachet, or clout, you know, in his background. Uh, And these past two weeks have been a big part of that. And obviously going into this next weekend is going to be an even bigger part. Uh, You know, the, the thing, the two things that stand out about this game for me, Bob and Scott, are this. I think that... We marvel at the physical talent that Matthew has. We, we've always talked about that. The guy has as good a feel for when his eyes can be used as weapons as any guy in the league right now. I mean, you watch that game and he's moving defenders. There's a play where he throws a deep cross early on to Cooper Cup from the left hash all the way outside the right numbers. And the play fake and the play, the, the design of the play, it's with Van Jefferson in motion. He's going to clear out the right side of the field. There is nobody to hold really the, the hook and the flat defender to the right side. You have to as a quarterback. And you could just watch him staring to the left. There ain't no reason to be staring to the left other than doing that. Uh, so that there's multiple examples of the game in that. And then I know this, again, is this is a guy that came into league physically talented beyond words. And, you know, probably around the year eight, nine of his career, he decided to really go attack the fundamentals and the mechanics of the way he plays. And you've watched this marriage of really big time physical talent with, okay, I'm going to go attack the fundamentals and mechanics. And that showed up again, you know, that he has become in many ways a tactician. 
And obviously it culminates with zero pressure coming. But the zero pressure moment doesn't happen if he doesn't have that second down play where he throws that outbreaker to Cooper Cup against two man where he hangs in the pocket with protection and floats the ball out there instead of sewing going hey look how stinking strong my arm is you know puts the right throw in that moment because the ball comes out of his hand before Cooper's open you know in that that feel type of throw and then obviously I, I say this all the time with quarterbacks always be ready for zero always Always. I don't care the down. I don't care the situation. I don't care the defensive coordinator. Always. And there's always tells. And once he saw both those safeties go from one side of the football to the other, your your alarm should go off. And I think the fact that he was ready for it, he's been trained. He's been prepared for that moment for years now. All right. So, Dan, that 44-yard touchdown pass, I, I was going to comment on two things about Matthew. Um, one physical and obviously there was mental involved also, but that 44-yard touchdown pass to Cup was not only smart, but when you watch his feet on that throw and his ability to put the ball out there as far as he did off of one foot, his feet were completely in the wrong spot. And, and, and But it, it wasn't a technique thing. It was the situation forced him to be in a certain body position and his feet... Yeah and him being off balance. Dan, I'm saying this, and I don't even know how hard it is. You yeah, dad's yeah, just, yeah. Seriously, that is so hard. And his ability to do that, again, and you think about the enormity of the circumstance. Yeah. It's, um, I'm so happy for this guy. You know, I, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, again, it, I know we've talked a lot about him, Dan. He's a, he's a personal friend of yours, a, a teammate of yours. Um, you know him far better than I, but I remember this moment we interviewed him. I remember thinking I was praying the Lions were going to screw up in 2009. We, I was with the Chiefs and we had the third pick overall. I'm like, please screw up here, Lions. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't take yeah. him. Yeah, Maybe yeah, he'll sure. drop to three. Um, and I remember spending time with him and I cannot emphasize my respect for the guy. And what people, again, some people thought he was a certain guy because of where he was from and he wasn't this guy. Yeah. Um, it, which leads into part of what I saw was it, some of these post-game interviews that we've seen. You know how there's some folks that are self-deprecating in front of the cameras and in the locker room and in front of people and they they, they kind of got the aw shucks thing going on or they say things about themselves that are self-deprecating and you know they don't mean it. Mm-hmm. This guy is so real, even when he's self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. his honesty, like when he said last week, he says, you know, I, I really think that this win is more important to some of you than it is to me. And he wasn't, he wasn't putting the kibosh on it. He wasn't dismissive about it. He was thinking about the next game and it's so real. And he's one of these guys who's the type of hero that football needs because of what he's been through, where yeah. he's been, he is, this guy's the real deal. And I, I know this sounds a little over the top, but I, you know, I was in the league for 27 years and I watched good players end up in bad situations. And some of the lack of success had to do with some things that were totally out of their control. And then to see a guy like this handle it the way that he did with the class that he did in Detroit, get the opportunity, and now what he's doing, and again, he makes it about everyone else. And there's some people that just, again, deflect praise 
and it's disingenuous. This dude really means it. Anyway, uh, well, uh, enough on take, that and the Mat- Matthew Stafford no, it's great. bouquets, but uh, it's really cool to watch. No, we right, have yeah. to keep uh, we have to keep throwing bouquets at quarterbacks because I don't know how many bouquets have ever been thrown and rightly so more so at a losing quarterback than we could throw at Josh Allen. Uh, he had everything classy to say after what have must have been as heartbreaking a loss as we have ever seen a quarterback suffer. This is what Josh Allen had to say after the epic matchup with the Chiefs. Obviously, uh, we're, we're disappointed. Um, Wanted to win that game. Obviously, everybody wants to win that game. There's only going to be one one champion crowned at the end of the season. So that makes 31 unhappy teams. And, um, you know, hats off to the, to the Chiefs and what they did today. You know, Pat played amazing. Um, got a lot of respect for him and, and the Chiefs as a whole. Um, you know, they made they made one more play than we did. And that's, uh, that's what it came down to. Um, but I'm proud of our guys, how we fought, how we battled, how we came uh, – came through and persevered over some things throughout the, the course of this game and the course of the season. Um, you know, and you know, it obviously, it, it hurts. You know, you don't like feeling like this, especially uh, back-to-back years at the same place. Um, uh, yeah, so we, we got to find a way uh, to be better next year and, and to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Well, guys, if Josh Allen plays that game a thousand times, 999 times, he probably wins the game. Right? I mean, that was how good Patrick Mahomes had Sorry, to be. Bills fans. Ugh. I know. it's It's got to be. And you know what? There are always going to be moments after a game like that. Should they have squibbed it? Should they have given Travis Kelsey a free release? Did they play way too soft on Tyreek Hill to get into field goal range, giving up the catch and run to Tyreek Hill, the touchdown, and the crazy back and forth at the end of that game? But I, I don't know if this is more a moment from a Bills standpoint to really dive into what went wrong in that game? Or is this more of a moment from a Bill standpoint to look at now what they've got and what they have to look forward to? And is this another proving moment that you have the right guy at quarterback, the right structure in your organization, a great core of players in the prime of their career surrounding that quarterback? There's no reason to think that the Bills aren't going to be back in this same spot and the next time they are, have a chance to win it, maybe go be a Super Bowl champion. Man, um... I have I mean, the Bills have zero question about what to do next. I mean, I think it's hey man, like make sure this dude doesn't play pickup basketball this offseason or something. <laughs> right. You know, like he's an absolute superstar. Um, you know, watching that game, honestly, I, I actually I was talking with Patrick Mahomes yesterday briefly, and I just kind of ended the conversation with like, hey man, like you make it so fun to watch football. And I feel that same way about Josh. I don't know Josh like that. It for for people who get to cover it and talk about it like but we all were the kids who fell in love with the game and then we played. It's so fun watching yeah. these young stars play the game. And then it's almost um it's so like admirable to watch them handle themselves after the game. Yeah. And you just look at them and say you guys are everything that is so awesome about this game and so awesome about um, that position. You know, I think that the awesome part of it is that Buffalo is a phenomenal organization and really well coached, and they've got a superstar quarterback and a phenomenal roster. 
The downside is Buffalo is an awesome organization, and they're really well coached, and they got a superstar quarterback and an awesome roster, and they're not even in the AFC yeah. title game. And my fear is that this whole offseason, there's going to be this conversation attached to Josh Allen going, yeah, but you're 0-2 in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to want to punch people who say that, you know, because the way that this game played out, you know, I could sit here and say, my goodness, Josh was just as good. And he made more like holy smokes types of plays. Um, but, you know, in that moment, Patrick said, hey, on, I'm, I'm still the cat. I'm still the cat at the top of the throne. I'm still the guy you got to go through. And um, X's and O's takeaways, um, I could go ramble on about them, but I think it would be really cool for someone to do a piece on the Chiefs and the Bills and what they saw on these two young men and what they didn't see drafting them. I mean, they went 7-10 and 10 in the draft. They didn't go 1. Should they have gone 1? Obviously. But they didn't. So what did they see that other teams didn't? You know, and the second thing is this. If you're a team that's in that conference and you got a good quarterback, you ain't have a shot. You don't got a shot. That's how I feel walking away from that game. You don't got a shot because those two guys are such freakazoids. And they're great. And they're fun. To, like you, you bring up the point, they're fun to watch. You know, you, yeah. when we open this conversation about the, the Chiefs-Bills, you know, you mentioned the fans. And, and I, I got to tell you, I, I was heartbroken for the Bills Mafia. And, and the reason is, yeah. you, you know, you, again, as old as I am, I remember the history of the four Super Bowl losses. I remember what those fans have been through. And you see this team and where they're headed. And they've got the, you know, back then they had Jim Kelly, who was, again, one of the elite quarterbacks in the National Football League. They've got one now. And as, you know, a Bills fan, they probably go to this dark place. And I pray that they don't because... Um, they're back, man. They're back, and, and they're going to be, I think, better than they ever were. And no disrespect to Jim Kelly and and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and and those teams that were just outrageously good. Um, this is going to be a fun team to watch. It was one of those games too where you, I didn't want it to end, and we could sit here and talk about a million things. Yeah. I, this made me hate the overtime rule, right? Um, I, heck, I, I was a part of a team that was uh, quote-unquote victimized by that rule also when I was with the Falcons, and we had the one series loss in the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots. We're going to be talking about this game forever, and there's going to be so many components about the players in this game, not just the quarterbacks, that are superstar players. I mean, Tyreek Hill was out of his mind the other day. It was so good. Yep. And, and you know, we had been talking all year, and I think we even did on this podcast, we talked about where's that explosion? Where's that special? T- we haven't seen it yet. Is, you know, his, is, is he still as quick and as fast? Man, the, the things that he did and the acceleration and burst and quickness and change of direction was like, unlike anything, you know, he had shown us this season. But the the other uh, unintended consequence by virtue of this game is going to be, I guarantee you, they're going to look at this overtime rule. And Andy Reid even said, you know, he was happy that they won, but he was kind of disappointed in the fact that they didn't have a chance to. I think if this yeah. would have been those thing, one of those opportunities where both teams got chances with the ball this game could have gone on forever i was so disappointed for bills fans so happy for chiefs fans because both of these franchises and their fan bases deserve all of the greatness that they're having and that they're headed for to me this i I think we said it before last week that this may be the two best teams as we were looking forward to this game this should be the super bowl kind of like i felt in some other games other years where an afc championship or an nfc championship really matched up the two best teams that may have happened this past weekend 
Well, that's where we are now because we have reached championship weekend and we're going to come back on Thursday. We've got four teams left. We will prepare to open our discussion of championship weekend with you on Thursday. And we go from the quarterback matchup of Mahomes Allen to now the quarterback matchup of Mahomes Burrow. I mean, that that's almost a lateral move based on how Joe Burrow has played. So can't wait to talk about that game and break it down with you guys. Please hit us up on social media, and we look forward to you joining us when we drop our next episode. Coming up on Thursday, thanks for being a tape in. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.